Well, good morning. Um, if you got your Bibles, um, which I hope you do, we're going to continue in James chapter uh, 3. So we're going to continue our study in James. So if you would, turn your Bibles to James chapter 3. The Scripture tells us in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, that there is death and life in the tongue. It says, death and life from the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruits. So as we begin the next part of the text in James, this, um, this is some serious stuff. James doesn't take lightly the tongue. It, it, he talks about, in fact, he started in James 1. He started in the text in James 1.26. It says, if you claim to be religious, but you don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. So that, that's how James begins James 1. And then he continues and he talks about the power of the tongue. The power of this, of, of our, this small little member. This small little part of our body. The tongue is the most powerful part of our body. In fact, the power of the words that we speak to each other really have eternal consequences. Romans chapter 10 verses 10 says that it is with the mouth that we confess unto salvation. With the heart one believes, but then we confess unto salvation. So our words, our words matter. Our words matter. If you believe in Jesus in your heart, it's going to come out of your mouth. If you say you believe and love Christ, it's going to come out of your mouth. So I'm going to start in the text here in James Chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse 1. Not many of you should be teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who, are, who, we who teach will be judged to a greater strictness. So I'm going to stop right there. So those of us who are Sunday school teachers, Bible study leaders, um, small group leaders, pastors, preachers, anyone who teaches God's word is going to be held to a stricter account because you know the answers. We know the answers because we study God's word. We're reading this. And so we're going to be held to a stricter code. So um, he says, not many of you should be doing that. Because if you do this, if you study and teach God's word, you're going to be held to a bigger account. So then he continues there. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in his ways, he is perfect. He's the perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. Now, think about this. If he, we, he read, we read in James 1 where he says, if you claim to be religious but you can't bridle or control, control your tongue, you're a fool and your, your religion is worthless. Then he says, listen, all of us are going to stumble in some ways. All of us are going to fall short. That's what Romans chapter 3 says, right? Romans 3 says, all have fallen short of the glory of God. But he says, those, if you're able to... Control what you say. If you're able to control the words that come out of your mouth, then you will be per- you'll be the perfect man able to bridle your whole body because your, bo- your tongue can set your body on certain courses in life. The things that we say can get us in some big time trouble. Our, our words set us on a certain path and a certain trajectory. And the, with the right words, we can go a long way. Amen? Men, husbands? I just 
Sam, with the right words, we can go the we can go a really great direction. With the wrong words, any no amens from the guys in there on that one. You know, we just finished Valentine's Day. Come on. With the wrong words, we can be in some serious trouble. And in fact, Matthew chapter twelve, verse thirty-six. Now I want you guys to see this. Go turn with me over to Matthew. I know that I got you guys doing. Finger gymnastics going back and forth in the text, but I think it's important because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. So I want us to read this in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 36. This is Jesus talking. Jesus says, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word that they speak. Verse 37 continues. He says, for by the words, for by your words, you will be justified and or by your, I apologize. For by your words you will be justified, and your words will be condemned. So, guys, I want you to see this. This is huge, that every careless word that comes out of your mouth, every, some translations say vicious or vile, every careless word that comes out of your mouth, you will have to give an account for. In my, my study cliff notes here, it says, The most seemingly insignificant sin... Even a slip of the tongue carries the full potential of hell's evil. No infraction against God's holiness is therefore a trifling thing. And each person will ultimately give an account for every such infraction. There is no truer indication of a bad tree than the bad fruit of bad speech. The poisonous snakes were known by their poisonous mouths, revealing their evil hearts. So every person is judged by his words because they reveal the state of their hearts. So as grandma used to say, what's down in the well will come up in the bucket. And if you can't control your tongue, the text tells us that your religion is absolutely worthless. So he continues in the text there in verse 3. If you put a bit into the mouth of a horse so that they, so they, they obey us, we guide the whole body of the horse. Look also at the ships also. Though they are large and are driven by a strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest fire is set ablaze by such a small spark. And the tongue is a fire, a world of, un- of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of your life, and set on fire by hell itself. For every kind of beast, bird, reptile, sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. For the same, from the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree by, by itself, brothers, can it bear olives or grapevines produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So, like, James is really 
pushing on this, this idea of our, of our mouths. He starts the text in, in chapter 1 and then repeats and goes in more into more depth here in chapter 3. Our tongues are a small member, but they are the most dangerous members of our body, especially if they're not controlled and directed by the Holy Spirit. We, we have the ability, we have the ability to bring life and we have the ability to bring death with the words that we speak. The, the text talks about a small forest fire. Now, I, I want to do this as just an illustration. I think it'll be fun. Where's, uh, I need Logan and Austin really quick because you guys are going to help me with this. Um, I'm going to catch something on fire. So this is fun. So I want you guys to notice what's going to happen here in a minute. I'm going to light these. And I'm going to have these guys just wander around the sanctuary for just a little bit while I preach. So just don't, don't, don't pay attention. But this is a small fire. And you can just blow that out here in just a second. And I want you to, as they wander around, I want you to see eventually this room will smell like these pine incenses. And the whole point of what I'm trying to do with this is as we wander around through our daily life, and we talk, and we, we might talk about somebody or someone. We might uh, gossip. We might say foul, mean words to people. Eventually, the whole area is going to be affected by what we do. You guys can wander. It smells really, really good up here. But as, as they wander through the sanctuary, you guys can they, the, the smell, eventually you guys will be affected. You'll smell that smell. You, it, just, it started by just a small little spark. There was a little flame, a little tiny spark that came out of that little lighter. And as they wander around, as you have your mouth, it's a little tiny member, and you spark it out and you say certain things to certain people. And that, what your words do is they affect people around you. The things that they say to one another, to you, that, that eventually they they start, to, they start to affect people. We have the ability to bring life or death with the words that we speak. We can paint an amazing portrait of who God is. We can sing, Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. And then we can get out of the church and be like, You stupid moron, I can't believe. And just we fight and yell and argue with one another. And the text tells us we're just it's set on fire by hell itself, the course of life through our tongues, through our small little tongues. We have this. This thing, how many of you guys can smell it? You guys smell it yet? Yeah, a couple of you can smell it, can't you? As, so we can paint these amazing portraits of the gospel and the goodness of God with our words. And then we can also deny his very existence by the words we speak to one another. Like the ways that we say things to one another, we can deny his very existence. I, I think what happens a lot of times is we have these men and women who have this desire to want to be right. Anybody in the room love to be right? Okay, just checking. Just a couple of you like to be right. But I want us to read in verse 8 and 9. Look at this. Go back to verse 8 and 9. No human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father. And with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, this ought not to be. You guys can just take a seat now. That's, I think that'll be good enough. You just hold on to it. Um, so 
I, I, what I want you guys to see in all of this is that if we say certain things, because we want to try to, I'm not saying we shouldn't um, confront sin because there is a time and a place to confront, confront sin. But if you say the right thing in the wrong way, it does not matter how you say it, you're wrong. If you want to try to, like, I think a lot of us, instead of having a desire to see reconciliation between fellow human beings, we want to be proven right. We don't want, there's no desire for reconciliation. We just want to be right. We have these junior theologians who want to be right and be like, let me just show you how I'm right. Let me see, let me show you this. Blah, 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 blah. And we use our words in a combative way and we try to destroy one another. And so if you say the right thing, but in the wrong way, it doesn't matter how you say it, you're still wrong. You're still wrong. Your method can destroy the meaning of your message. The method in which you try to convey the message can destroy the message. It it can. We have more Christ followers who want to try to attempt to kill each other in hopes of being proven right. We have junior theologians who have this desire to want to take each other out. And 1 Corinthians 8.1 tells us that uh, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Love builds up. We, we also look at other... And, here's, and this is what I, I want us to see here. Oftentimes we look at other people's sins and point out other people's sins, but we ignore ours. Okay, it's like, so you all have sin issues. The congregation has sin issues. I just have problems. <laughs> See how that works? See how that works? That's what we like to do. We like, oh yeah, they've got massive sin issues. They're sinful, wicked people. I just have issues. See how that works? What we try to do, we paint, we paint our lives as, like, we, we have the, the standard of good and right is me, but everyone else is painted in a poor light. That's what we do. We never paint our sins as dark and horrible and wicked. And, and Sadly, we, we become experts in our neighbor's weaknesses. We become experts in our spouse's or our children's weakness, which we should not be. We should not be an expert in our spouse's, our neighbor's, our children's weaknesses. Matt Chandler says that if we are meditating on the weaknesses of others, we are sinning not only against God, but we're sinning against other human beings. Rather than focusing on the weaknesses, we need to be focused on their strengths. Now, I'm not saying that we don't confront sin where it needs to be confronted. But the desire should come from, I want to see you reconciled. I want to, things, I want to see things be, become made right. I want all of us to be back in unity. It should not be, a, I want to show that, them, that they're wrong and that I'm right. Anybody in the room ever do that? We don't, we don't, we don't want to admit that. Not now. Like, no, oh, no. But we do. We want to have the desire to be right. We have that desire. And Romans chapter 6 says that we're dead to our sins. You're, you need to crucify, crucify the right to be right. Because you're dead according to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 says you are dead to your sins therefore. So you crucified in Christ. So your desire to be right needs to be nailed to the cross. It needs to be nailed to the cross. See, it's easy for us to sit down and start listing faults of other people 
and listing their, their problems. We could, I mean, I could get a chalkboard, a whiteboard up here, and we could start listing out problems of other people we don't like. But what would it look like if we started listing out their strengths and where we find them to be doing things right? What would that look like? Because here's what we do. We sometimes will get biblical knowledge. And like I said, in 1 Corinthians, it tells us that we are to use our... We don't... Knowledge puffs up. But love, it builds up. A lot of us, we wield our biblical knowledge like a hammer. And we come in just swinging and breaking down. To, I'm going to break down the barriers. And we just go crazy. That's not reconciliation. That's not healing. That's not fixing any problems. We should be wielding our biblical knowledge like a scalpel in order to bring healing and restoration. Like the, 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 the surgeon doesn't come in and just slash and just, he doesn't just nonchalantly walk into a room and just start slashing the body. The, the surgeon comes in with, his, with a knowledge of what he needs to do and takes his scalpel and where he, he just cuts a little bit where he needs to, just enough to get in to fix the problem. And then he does his, just his best to heal that back up and to sew that back up and to fix it. He uses his knowledge with a, with a scalpel to cut in and get rid of the, the problem and fix the issue. He didn't come in just to slash and beat because he knows what he's doing. That's what we need to do as Christians. As believers in Christ, we need to wield our biblical knowledge with, like a scalpel. We come in gently and lovingly with a desire to show Christ off. Not to be shown that we're right, but we come in and we gently, with love, come in and say, okay, this is where we need to fix some things. This is where we need to make things right. We don't need to come in and blast people because we think that they're sinful and we're not. Mm. My brothers, this should not be so among you. That's what the text tells us. That's what the text tells us. So you say, Caleb, all right, you've defined the problem that we do have some speech issues, that our, that our speech is an issue. Well, we need to be Back to the heart of the issue. What's what I told you in the beginning. What's down in the well comes up in the bucket. If you claim to be religious, if you claim to know Christ, but you can't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. So you say, well, Caleb, what do I do? How do I fix this issue? Well, I'm glad you asked. Keep going in James chapter 3. It tells us later in the text here in verse, uh, well, we'll start in verse 16, just, just to get a running start. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there will be disorder and vile practice. So I just want us to stop right there because here's what happens with people. When we talk out of turn and trying to tear people down, here's what the problem is most of the time. Most of the time is there is jealousy of some sort where there's jealousy and selfish ambition. We have a desire to advance our own agenda, advance our own, our own thing, and we, have, we might even be jealous of someone else. So we tear them apart. We rip people apart with our mouths. So, so where there's jealousy and selfish ambition, there will be disorder and every type of vile practice. 
So if you know somebody or if you are that person that is just doing these things, here's probably what's going on in your heart. You're jealous on some level or you have an agenda that you want to accomplish. So he says the next part of this. Here's the answer. Here's the answer. Verse 17. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle and open to reason full of mercy and good fruits, impartial, sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So I want us to just pick this text apart and see this is the answer. This is where we find our hope. This is where we find the solution. We have we live in constant in a constant state of confession, confessing our sins and that we cannot make it on our own. We can we constantly need to commit our mouths to Christ. We need to be quick to hear. James 1:19 says be quick to hear and slow to speak. Be quick to hear and slow to speak. And so I want us to see this. Where do we find this thing? It says, first thing it says, but the wisdom from above. Now, how in the world do you and I retain wisdom from above? How do we get access to that wisdom? I'm glad you asked. It's sitting in your lap. You're holding it in your hand. How do I find wisdom from above? The scriptures. 2 Timothy 3.16 all scripture is God breathed. It is the breath of God on paper. You have God's insight. You have God's wisdom. You have God's word in front of you. I always hear people say, man, I'd love to hear. If God could just speak to me audibly, I, would, uh, I could obey better. Well, just read the Bible out loud and God's speaking to you. Just read the Bible out loud and God will be speaking to you. So here's the answer. You want the wisdom from above. You have to. You have to ingrain or engraft the text. I said this a week or two ago where we infuse the Word of God into our hearts. We engraft or infuse the Word of God into our minds and then it gets into our hearts and then we just, it just transforms our lives. So we get this wisdom from studying God's Word. And then as a result of doing that, the wisdom from above is what? It's first what? Pure. The text says that the, the wisdom that comes from the Lord, the, as a result of having that wisdom, your speech will change. When God transforms your heart, He'll transform your speech. God won't, God won't transform your speech first. He'll transform your heart. Because when He transforms your heart, that's going to shift everything. We're not talking about behavior modification. I don't want your behavior to be modified. I want your heart to be transformed. Because when God transforms your heart... Then look what happens. First, you're pure. You have a pure heart. You have a pure motive. You have a pure direction. Blessed are the pure in heart, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 5. They're blessed are the pure in heart. Then as a result of having pure motives and pure directions, look what happens next. Then you're peaceable. Like you're not quarrelsome. You're not wanting to fight with one another. You're not wanting to pick a fight with somebody. You're peaceable. You want to try to make peace. You want to try to live in peace. You don't want to try to fight every second. You're peaceable in your, your direction. You're gentle. Like, we just, we don't, like I said, we don't wield our biblical knowledge with a, like a sledgehammer. We don't come in just flinging and slinging and going crazy. We're gentle in our approach with the gospel. Because how many in the room are sinful? Let's just see. Let me just take a 
Oh, wow, look at us, 100%. 100% of us. You come in peaceable and gentle. And then, I love this next one, open to reason. And we live in a world where reason is out the door, amen? Like it is completely out the door. We're just like, there's no common sense whatsoever. But when you infuse God's word into your life, you're open to reason. And then as a result of being open to reason, what's next? The text says you're full of mercy. You're full of mercy. You're not trying to execute justice. You're full of mercy towards other people. Because Christ was full of mercy towards you. So if Christ is, uh, let's just do this. If Christ is merciful towards you, you should enact justice on everyone else. Right? Like, are you, are you catching this? Are you seeing where I'm trying to go here? If Christ is merciful to you, you need to be merciful to other human beings. If Christ has been loving towards you, you need to be loving towards other human beings. Yeah. Open to reason, full of mercy, and then having good fruits. You say, well, what kind of fruits are we going to have? What are the fruits of the Spirit? Anybody? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Think about those things. The Scripture says, against such things there is no law. You're not under the law if you live by these fruits of the Spirit. If the, if the Spirit resides in you, these are the things that are going to be coming out of your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. All these beautiful fruits from the Holy Spirit will come out of your life. They'll come out of your life. Full of mercy and good fruits. Impartial and sincere towards one another. You're impartial. You, you will love to see things. You're not, you're not, you're not leaning towards one side on the scale. You're, you want to try to figure things out before you make it a judgment call. You're like, okay, before I just open my mouth and just spew stuff, I want to think before I speak. And I said this, I don't know, a month ago. I said before we spoke to one another, if we just took... 30 seconds to pray before we opened our mouth and made a judgment call or just said something to someone before if we just took 30 seconds to say, God, what I'm about to say, is this going to be pleasing number one to you? And is it going to be edifying to the people who hear it? If the thing I'm about to say, if it's not going to edify human beings and it's not going to bring glory to your name, then why should I say it? I should probably just keep my mouth closed. That's what I should do. So he says, now look at this, a harvest. Now what's a harvest? What's the, what is that? What's the desire? We have a, there's, the fields are ripe for harvest. That's what the text says. But men and women's hearts. If we're, if we're the image bearers of Christ, by what we, how we act and what we say, if we're the ones who are, if people are looking out here, out here and they see, okay, the people at First Baptist Church, they love Jesus. Let's see how they talk. Let's see how they act towards one another. Oh, that's what a Christian is? Hmm. Yeah, I don't know if I want to be a part of that. Look what happens when you live in a lifestyle of righteousness. You have a harvest of righteousness that is sown in peace. When you're striving to make peace, when you're striving to live in peace, look what happens. A harvest of righteousness is sown by, in peace by those who make peace.
peace. There is a, there is a push in this moment. Harvest, men and women come to know Christ when we start to learn how to control our, when, the, when we allow, let me, just, let me rephrase that. When we allow the Holy Spirit to control our hearts, our minds, and our mouths, you're going to find that there's going to be more of a harvest and that there's going to be peace that's sown and that there's going to be peace and righteousness that, is, that comes about by men and women who live in such a way. We need to become experts in the strengths of our brothers and sisters rather than their weaknesses. We need to guard our mouths. We need to ask Jesus to put a filter on our mouth. I always, I try to, what I say, I call my Jesus filter. Before I talk, I is it, is, should it go through the Jesus filter first of what I'm about to say? Yeah, I probably ought to put, try to put everything through the Jesus filter first. Because if, if, I, if I can put it through the Jesus filter and it still doesn't, that doesn't sound right, I probably ought to just not say it. Because every careless word that I say towards someone, I'm going to have to give an account for on the day of judgment. You will too. Everything that you say, you're going to have to give an account for. Rather than allowing your biblical, number two, allow, rather than allowing your biblical knowledge to be used for as a wrecking ball, let your understanding of Scripture and the understanding of God be used in such a way to build one another up, to love one another, and to build one another up in Christ's likeness. Because that's going to transform the world. We, the Scripture tells us in James here that we can, we can tame everything in the world. We can tame every beast, every, every sea creature, everything you can think of, every animal can be tamed. The one thing that can't be tamed is our mouths. But he says, if you, if you can, by the power of the Holy Spirit, tame this tongue, if you can do that, you're perfect. What's it say? If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is perfect, able to bridle his whole body. Like, how big and beautiful and glorious is this that, that we can do this? Like God says, here's how this happens. When you allow the Holy Spirit to transform your heart and your life and your mouth, it's going to shift and transform everything in your life. Everything. We have the ability to speak life or bring death with the words that we speak. So I, my, I plead with you this morning that you would just you'd choose wisely. You choose wisely before you speak. And if, are the words you're saying, and some of you might not, there may be two, two different camps in here that are our pine incense that we had burning in here earlier. Some of you might think that that's a beautiful incense. That, man, that's awesome. Some of you might think that that is a nasty smelling, horrible mess. It can go either way. Are your words going to be a beautiful incense that are going to encourage people and glorify God? Or are your words going to be just a stinky mess? And if, they are, if they're going to be a stinky mess, choose wisely. Think before you speak. Pray before you speak. And let that be the challenge of our day. If we immerse ourselves in God's word, I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt, that we will have far less problems 
than we currently do. If we immerse ourselves in God's word, we will speak life rather than death. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you that we get to spend time with you in this place. We sing songs of praise to you. God, use us for your glory in the places where we are. In the name of Jesus, I pray this. Amen.